Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Melanie C. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, May 4th, 2018 and this is the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Big Book Study Meeting. Today we are reading from the big book and we're going to be on page 59 starting with paragraph 2 which starts with here are the steps we took reading four lines that ends with reading and focusing our comments on step one. Today's readers are the 12 steps, Kathy G, the 12 traditions, Susan R. Reading the steps in support of the reading today is Nancy T, Wendy M, and Jordan L. The reference numbers, the share ID numbers for yesterday's 10 a.m. meeting, that would be Thursday, May 3rd, 2018, 11371, 11,371. And for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting this morning, Friday, May 4th, 2018, that share ID number is 11373, 11,373. The OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Kathy G. to please read the 12 steps. Oh, you have it? Okay, can you hear me now? I can. Okay, so sorry about that. Good morning, everyone. It's Kathy G., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Illinois. The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. 
eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks so much, and I pass. Thank you very much, Kathy G. I will now ask Susan R. to please read the 12 traditions. Hi, good morning. This is Susan R. from Rhode Island. And here are the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, Every OA group ought to be fully self-supported, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me serve, and I pass. Thank you, Susan R. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. 
And today we resume our study and we'll be in the big book on page 59, paragraph 2. Here are the steps we took, reading through step 1, four lines. And I'll ask Nancy T. to open this up by reading those four lines and commenting on her experience. Good morning, Nancy. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you. I'm Nancy T., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Lewiston, Idaho. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. And, you know, for those four short lines, there's sure a lot there. That word powerlessness just flashes at me because that, for me, was the critical part of the first part of step one. And I um, I have survived several relapses, and I believe today, um, after studying the big book and learning what I've learned, that the reason I kept struggling through relapse after relapse was because I did not get step one 100%, and that is absolutely required. I learned by reading the big book that I have to be convinced to my innermost core that I am powerless over food, that for me there's no um, half measures, there's no, oh, but I'll just do this a little bit. I have to be convinced to my innermost core that I am powerless over food, and I have to identify those foods and the food behaviors that cause me the problems so that then I can um, abstain from those things. But there's two parts to step one, and the second part is I have to be convinced that my life has been unmanageable. And by going through my history and working with somebody who had gone before me, I was able to see how not just around food, but my life was unmanageable. The way that I chose to manage my life, did you hear that? I chose to manage my life on my own power. That was my problem. Caused many other problems, um, more than just food. The food comes into play because food was the substance that I used to deal with my problems. Um, and my whole problem was that I was lacking the power. I kept believing that I somehow had the power. If I just controlled things enough, if I just had enough willpower, I, I, I. Um, but when I finally was willing to surrender and admit that I am powerless, I needed another power. Um, and then the rest of the steps taught me how to connect with that power. And then um, it goes on from there. Very grateful today that I accept my powerlessness 100%. Um, and I'm grateful to be here with you all. With that, I'll pass. Thanks very much. Thank you very much, Nancy T. The lines are open now for additional comments on those four lines. Page 59, paragraph 2, and then step 1. Will be your, actually, your focus will be step 1. Did I hear Vicki? Okay. And PM. Stacy T. Brandy M. Stacy, Brandy. Chevy K. Chevy. Sherry S. Or Carrie S. Carrie S. Carrie S. Okay. And I didn't hear the next person after that. Leah S. Leah S. Carolyn C. Let's, let's stop with Leah so that way we can get another lineup as we go along. And this is what I think that I heard. I heard Vicki. Didn't get your last initial. John K. Janice P. M. Did I hear Stacy? Or was it another name? Then I heard Brandy, Chevy, Carrie, yes. and Leah. Yep. I did say Stacy T. Okay, great. Good deal. Okay, there's our lineup. Vicki, if you go first, and then John, and then I'll keep prompting you guys along the way. 
And if I didn't hear Vicki, we'll just move straight to John in interest of time. John, if you would press star one, please. Good morning, John. Okay. I'm sorry. Hey, this is John Kiernan, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Los Angeles. Um, you know, I just want to, I'm going to make it quick. I just want to pass on the, the biggest revelation for me in my, in my program was once, I couldn't see this during the time, of course, so I could only see it after I was out of it and look backwards. I spent a number of years being on that in and out relapse cycle, a couple of weeks on, a couple of weeks off, a month on, a month off, et cetera. And I didn't really get the powerlessness part when it came to the food. I certainly understood with alcohol. I'm in that other program. I know if I have a drink, no, you know, you're not going to get between me and that next drink. But with the food, it was so much subtler. Um, and I told everybody I was powerless. I'd get up at meetings and say I was powerless. I'd convince myself I would, oh, yeah, I'm powerless. But then I would go eat. And then I'd get up at meetings and say I'm powerless again. And I'd go eat. Well, how powerless did I really think I was? Was I saying, oh, the heck with OA, I'm leaving, I'm not coming back? No, I didn't. What was in there under the surface was, when I'm done, I will come back and I will get abstinent again. And the reason was that I had empirical evidence I could do it. After years of doing that week on, week off, I said, well, I might have to go to 90 meetings in 90 days. If I go out, I may have to get a new sponsor, do a lot of writing. But eventually, I would be able to grind that train to a halt again, which is to stop eating. And the trouble is, I could. And as a result, I knew if I did that, the moment the food was really down, the clock was ticking on me going out again because I didn't believe I was powerless. And yes, I am. Today, I can look backwards and realize, no, I am powerful over the food in the small picture. But the thing is, when I pulled that camera back and I looked at the years I had of in and out, in and out, in and out, that's when I could see I was powerless. And for me, it changed how I defined my powerless today powerlessness today and that is my I my belief about powerlessness today is food cannot be an option food cannot be an option to my emotions I can enjoy it I can have my meals within my food plan and my times to eat but it can't be an option and that was the key because I heard a lady say once her sponsor said if you're a compulsive eater and you've made food an option it's always going to be the only option it's always going to be the path of least resistance. Who wants to go through maybe some upset, turmoil, or enjoying a food that A, you like the taste of, and B, makes you feel better? It's a no-brainer. So for me today, I had to change how I saw powerlessness, and uh, it's made all the difference. I can say, well, you know, I had a month of abstinence before I lost it. No, you know, all that time, I had a multiple-year in-and-out cycle, and I deluded myself into thinking I was abstinent on some of those end times. And I had to realize, no, that wasn't abstinence. Today, I really believe it's abstinence for me. Anyway, with that, I pass. Thank you very much, John. That's John Cave, California. Janice PM, you're next. And then um, Stacy will come after you, Janice. Good morning, Janice. Well, good morning to you. My, um, <laughs> good morning to you, Melanie, and everyone. My name is uh, Janice P. I'm from Massachusetts, and I'm so gratefully recovered today. Um, admitted we were powerless over alcohol. Then there's a dash. There's a little dash there that says that our lives had become unmanageable, and I've been taught to add by me. Now, what does the dash mean? The dash says, 
when a dash is used in a sentence like this, what it's saying is, yeah, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol and, that's what it stands for, and admitted that our lives, you know, had become unmanageable by me. So, in other words, um, you know, on my own, because it took me a long time to, to get to this point. I was powerless before I came into OA. You know, I knew I was powerless. That's why I came. I didn't go to, to another get as anonymous or something. I knew I had a problem. I couldn't control my food and my behaviors in life. And so on my own, I knew. I didn't know then, but I know now that on my own, I can't do this thing. But, you know, this differentiates, you know, we know about the alcoholic, you know, um, or, or, a, or a compulsive overeater, that there's a different, what differentiates the alcoholic or the compulsive overeater physically, mentally, and spiritually from a non-alcoholic or a non-compulsive overeater is that we have an allergy, which means, you know, we have a reaction to certain foods. Okay. All right. Now, a non-compulsive overeater an eater, can always predict how much they are going to eat. And an alcoholic, a non-alcoholic like I am for today, I could predict, oh, I'll have two, but that's all. You know, I had enough. I'll get a little dizzy or whatever. But when it comes to food, I'm just starting. You see? Where a non-compulsive overeater is done. They're full, you know, they're bloating. They can't put another thing in their stomach. But, of course, not for me. I always could start again. And, um, and it's because my feelings inside, you know, I, I, I got an effect by it. I got a, um, a feeling that, gee, this really comforts me when I'm angry, when I'm this, when I'm that. You know, I could only know what the what the food specific food did for me now with alcohol i can see that oh goodness i know what it does to me it makes me dizzy but of course after alcohol i wanted to eat so the relationship with the food with the alcohol is different and that's called my mental obsession that's the kind of relationship i had to do to deal with life was to have the effect of the food so on page 44, I love this. If you want to diagnose yourself and you really don't know if you are or if you're not, that first paragraph tells it all. You know, it's uh, when I'm drinking or when I'm not drinking, what happens to us. And then we can identify uh, exactly uh, who we are. And with that, I will pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice P.M. from Massachusetts. Stacy T., you're next. And then Stacy Brandy will come in after you. Good morning. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you so much for your service. And if you wouldn't mind timing me, that would be great. Um, Some of this is uh, looking in the rearview mirror, as I think John uh, alluded to. When I first read many, many years ago that I was powerless over food and my life had become unmanageable, I found great relief. And I believed... <clears throat> through listening to others, it was way before I understood about the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind. But in the beginning, <clears throat> I found great relief that I was powerless. And I was very clear that my life was unmanageable um, with my constant <clears throat> relapses and then 
feeling that I could have that one and I couldn't stop from picking up. What happened along the way, and this definitely was a slow process, and I don't know if anybody else can relate to this, is that I realized that the powerlessness for me was a trigger about things that were not about um, the food. And the food is a symptom uh, for me. And that in, that I was, uh, what was so unmanageable was my fear to uh, admit powerlessness to anything. And it wasn't until, and we're not there, <clears throat> in step two that I even thought there was a possibility um, that I could walk with a power greater than me. But on my own, powerlessness shook me to my core, um, and I didn't trust myself. I didn't trust you, the collective you of the Worldwide Fellowship. I just knew from past experience that I had to do whatever I needed to do to stay stay safe, which led to multiple, multiple relapses uh, because I didn't know. I really didn't know how to surrender and uh, admit powerless and still believe in the safety that indeed I was being walked ashore. And um, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Stacey T. Brandy M., you're going to be next. I just want to remind the folks that we are on page 59 of the big book, paragraph 2. Here are the steps we took. And our focused comments today are on step 1 in its entirety. Brandy, thanks so much for sharing. And then Chevy K. will come after you. Good morning, Melanie. It's Brandy. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Can you hear me? I can. Good. All right, step one, uh, for me, well, I guess step zero is where it began, but I spent 20 plus years in this program chronically relapsing and being on and off the wagon. I mean, the most I could string together, I think at one time was about a year, but even at that time, now I look back and I I chuckle because I was so dishonest and really step one is about honesty. It's about getting honest, being real and really looking at what I'm doing and where I need to go with my higher power. Um, And it's accepting the message and just being willing to let go of all my old ideas. But I remember like having a chocolate bar for supper because, you know, as long as I stayed with three meals a day and nothing in between, then, then, the chocolate bar supper was okay. And at the, in those days, I could I could control it. I could stop at that one chocolate bar and be okay. Um, but the disease progressed and my eating progressed. And um, I eventually became defeated where, you know, those little periods of being able to have those foods were no longer. It was triggering the allergy right away. And I would eat my face off. And... But I still wanted to lie to myself. I still wanted to believe that somehow, some way I was going to control this disease. And what step one means to me the most is that I've given up the fact and the idea that I can control this disease. I know without a doubt I cannot control the allergy. 
or the twist of the mind. Once those things are going, I'm defenseless against it. And so today, you know, I listen and I do what I'm told and I don't think I have all the answers. And to me, that's a miracle because, you know, that's true powerlessness. And the amazing thing is, is that when I admitted the powerlessness and I put down those foods, which I always wanted to negotiate. And I heard somebody say earlier, like, um, it can't be a negotiation. It has to be like food can't be an option. And this week I, I tried to let food be an option. And it's crazy because the honesty kicked in right away. And it's like, nope, these, are, these aren't alcoholic foods, but I want to use them for comfort. So I need to let them go. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that I have the openness and the willingness to, you know, when, when I'm in a touchy situation, I can recognize it and be honest and just give up because I don't want to take that chance. I don't want to take the chance of, you know, possibly losing what I have because my life is amazing today and it's because of these 12 steps and it's really because I fully conceded to my innermost self that I am a true compulsive overeater and I have no defense against this disease. So with that, I will pass and I hope everyone has a good day. Thanks. Thank you, Brandy M. Chevy K, you're next, and then Carrie S. will follow you, Chevy. Hi, good morning. This is Chevy K. Can I be heard? Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Thank you, Melanie, for your service, and thank you, everyone, so much for your shares and for being on the line. Um, and I just wanted to share quickly on what powerlessness means to me. You know, every morning when I wake up, one of the first things I say when I roll out of bed is that I am powerless over food and anything in my life, God, is unmanageable without you. So therefore, I please God, help me to surrender to you everything that comes my way. Um, Help me to surrender, you know, uh, your timetable, your plan, your agenda, and the people and situations you send into my life because I am not in control over any of them. And, you know, this true recovery is still very new to me. Um, and I very quickly take back my power, my control, my self-reliance. Um, and thankfully, uh, that hasn't manifested itself in the food but what happens is that, you know, when I take back my power and my control and, and my expectations, I very quickly, um, and it can just, it can happen in a day, I, I can relapse spiritually, relapse emotionally, um, I disconnect and, and I isolate. Um, you know, and I realized that taking back my power doesn't just involve, um, you know, the, the spiritual and emotional component and, God forbid, eventually the food. I also feel that it manifests itself physiologically in me, and I'm becoming very aware and very in tune to that. Um, and what going back into my will looks like for me is, you know, my, my heart starts racing. I start feeling overwhelmed. I start feeling anxious and stressed. My joints ache. My bones are hurt because I am tense. I am stressed. I am not relying on God. And Chevy K has to solve everything. 
And this is something I've learned about myself in recovery. When I take powerless, my power back, when I take my self-reliance back, and that is a big red flag to me to stop and pause and say, okay, Chevy K, you're not running the show. You need to connect with God. Um, let's start over. Um, so I just wanted to share that, and thank you for allowing me to share. Have a beautiful weekend, everyone. I pass. Thank you, Chevy K. Our focused discussion today is step one. You can read that in its entirety on page 59 of your big book. Carrie S., you're next to share, and then Leah will come after you. Good morning. Thanks, Melanie. Good morning. This is Carrie S., living in the sunlight of the spirit in Golden, Colorado, recovered. Thank you, God. So I've been taught step one has, has two parts. And the principle of honesty is that I have to get honest with my food. I have to let go of my old prejudices, old ideas of what food um, is, is healthy for me. So I have to develop a plan of eating. I have to tell myself I'm powerless over the foods that my, I have to abstain from my individual binge foods. I have to abstain from my individual binge ingredients. That's a big one. What's What's in the things we're eating I have to abstain from individual binge behaviors. You know, can I stand up and eat? No, Carrie, you can't. Can I eat in my car? No, I can't. Because ultimately it's going to trigger my mental obsession. Um, And I I have to continue to be honest and careful with the plan of eating that I've created. And it's when, how much, where, even where I eat. So then the second part of, of step one is, this spiritual malady, this obsession of the mind. And and I've been taught relapse is a step one issue. And that way I, I'm always going back to step one. And it, and it took me four and a half years in program of massive relapses over and over for me to finally hear the message from a lovely group of individuals in St. Louis who have a powerlessness format they use and it is about creating a plan of eating and seeing our obsession of the mind this this double whammy that we have and so yes thank you how do I define my powerlessness food cannot be an option for me anymore and and so today I'm just super grateful that I get to live in the sunlight of the spirit and if you are struggling out there Stay on these lines and hear these voices of recovery because that's what got me recovered and you too can be recovered. Thank you. With that, I pass. Thank you, Carrie S. Leah S., you're next. And then we'll open it up again for folks that want to comment on step one. Good morning, Leah. Leah Good morning, everyone. Thank you. Ditto, ditto to every one of these shares. Such a powerful meeting. My name is Leah S., and I'm a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Step one, we admitted we were powerless. We admitted there, right there, I had to admit. And I'm talking about Leah S. four and a half years ago. That fooled even Leah S. I was managing everything in my life. I was doing grand I was a cynical, and 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 talk about hypocrisy, you know, even myself, I had to admit that I am powerless over food, and then I had to admit 
that because my life was so crazy and so chaotic and that it was from a dysfunctional home that I was coming from, that I was trying to make sense out of, and I wasn't succeeding. My goodness, more than half my life I have been struggling and yo-yoing up and down, my goodness, on a diet, not on a diet. How many size dresses does my closet contain? How many can we still push in? Um, all these mood changes. Don't forget, this book has a book of promises that, that I didn't even contemplate that they will start coming true. The humility I had to have immediately. And don't worry that I did not have it immediately as much as I have it today. And I want to continue having it because that deepens with the steps that you continue to take and the, the studying of the big book. And most of all, with the doctor's opinion, thank you so much for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Leah S., I'd like to open up the line for additional comments on step one. Who would like to comment? Carolyn C. Bonnie M. Bonnie M. Lori W. I heard a gentleman's voice after Bonnie. Who was that? Chrissy. A gentleman's voice after Bonnie? I didn't hear that. So I, is it Chrissy then? Chrissy. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Lori W. Daryl B. Daryl. That's what I thought I heard. B. Okay, that gives me the lineup. I know that I missed several. I love you. My apologies. I have Carolyn C., Bonnie M., Chrissy K., Lori W., and Daryl B. So let's see. Carolyn, you'll lead us out this round, and that will close us out today. Okay, thank you so much for your service. Can I be heard? Mm-hmm. Excellent. Um, I'm Carolyn C. I'm recovering in Colorado. And um, I'm a bit emotional today because I'm back at step one after a year and four months. And um, it was, I'm, I need to make amends as well to this group because the day that I um, went into ego and ate very clearly, it wasn't just a bite, it wasn't just a put it in my mouth and spit it out and call it not anything. It was a full-on, I went to the grocery store, got the piece of what I wanted to eat, and I just sat there, and I ate it, and I didn't want to call anyone, and I didn't want to reach out for help. I just wanted to be normal, you know? And um, I'm not ashamed um, because I... I am letting go of the shame around this because it's just, that doesn't serve me. It doesn't serve, my God doesn't want me to shame myself. My God wants me to love myself and, and forgive myself and get back on track and reach out to my sponsor and reach out to this group. And um, it's not that I have to go back to step one. I get to go back to step one. And I get to look at the deeper you know, what the heck was going on? And I know I was exhausted beyond belief. I was so tired I should have gone to bed, and I didn't. I just wanted to go and deal with the emotions in a way that was familiar and brought, you know, immediate comfort. And what's beautiful about this program is that 
I can come to this group and I can let other people know who are struggling that it does not have to be an, another bite. It just doesn't have to be that way. You can come to this group and you can do the work and I'm going to continue doing the work. There's only one thing. It doesn't have to be more. It don't have to go into a huge long relapse. And God willing, I won't. God willing, I will continue to connect with my higher power and um, and and continue being part of this group and not disconnect and isolate like I have in the past. And um, my amends is that the day that I did that, I got my first request to do service on this line. And thankfully, it was just reading a passage, but um, I didn't know what else to do. So um, I'm moving forward, and it's going to be a good day. And I've been abstinent for three days now. And uh, thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Carolyn C. Bonnie M., you're next, and then Bonnie Chrissy K. will follow you. Hi, I'm Bonnie M., a very grateful recovered compulsive overeater from Arizona. And um, I've been in this program a very long time, since in the 80s. And in the beginning, I did not come in um, overweight. I came in as a result of um, a client I had that wanted to go to OA, and I wanted to check it out. And I had a lot of judgments about OA, which were basically based on ignorance. Um, but I never left, and what drew me was the recovery and the intimacy and several other things. And I got myself a sponsor, and uh, once the sponsor heard me, um, she had me, it took me a year and a half to do step one because she had me challenge every single line one by one and because I couldn't get it that I was powerless and I couldn't get that my life was unmanageable because I was pretty doggone successful and I wasn't even unsuccessful to any great degree of being a um, controlled compulsive dieter and was willing if I had to, to be that for the rest of my life, at least so I thought. But in spite of my rigidity um, and, and what happened was I started seeing different results and was kind of blown away, but I still held on to my belief that I wasn't powerless. And then one day I was listening to a speaker, um, in another program, a minister said, I could never drink like other people. And in my mind, I could hear in my mind's ears say, and I could never eat like normal, healthy people. And all of a sudden, it, it, it just hit me that I am powerless. Very <laughs> kind of a stubborn. And even to this day, I can get in. I've had a lot of recovery. Even to this day, I can, um, I can hear the voice come in once in a while that, well, I can handle it. I can handle it. But the difference today is um, I can get a smile on my face and say, thank you for sharing and, um, and say, excuse me, but, you know, I'm going to put that thought in a very special place in my heart and I'm going to do what I need to do 
to be happy, joyous, and free because every day I pray for peace of mind, serenity, amazing health, happiness, enthusiasm, and prosperity, and getting into the food is not part of that ingredient. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Bonnie M. Chrissy K., you're next, and then Chrissy, Laurie will come behind you, Laurie W. Good morning, Chrissy. Uh, this is Chrissy K., a compulsive overeater, and I want to thank Vision, uh, thank everybody on Friday, and thank all you uh, donating your time. Um, the first step, I I ate, I thought, for all the things that happened and over them, but I found that I ate over my anger, period. I was angry about X, Y, or Z, and I ate, and that is it. I was angry. Life was life, and I ate, and that, and that, and I ate. I ate, and I ate, and I ate. And that was my answer. This reason, that reason, it didn't matter. I ate. I turned to food, and I ate. And I didn't know that. That was my responsibility for the situation, and I ate. I prayed. I prayed the rosary. I prayed this. I prayed. I prayed from the minute I knew that God was God, and I argued with different people. And God loved all the people that I was clearing my plate for to feed them, and therefore they weren't going to China just because they weren't Catholic or whatever the situation was. I ate, and because... And whatever happened, I ate because I was angry. It wasn't the situation. I ate because I was angry. And it was my anger. And that's why I ate. And that's what I had to look at. And that was and that's why my life was unmanageable. And it wasn't until I looked at that anger and took it to God and took my anger hot into the sunlight, and God took it away. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Chrissy K. Lori W., you're next, and then Daryl will come in after you to close us out. Good morning, Lori. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you so much for your service. I am Lori W. I am a compulsive overeater, and I live life in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I had a real problem with step one, admitting my powerlessness, because, first of all, I'm crazy. I know me. Some of you all have gotten to know me, and I am just crazy. So what I had done was I knew that my life was unmanageable. I knew that. But I had convinced everyone around me that I could manage life, and so then they, in turn, convinced me that I was managing life, and it was just this vicious cycle. So I knew I was powerless. I knew inside of me with everything that I was broken, but I did not project that. And so what other people saw was, oh, wow, Lori's so strong. She's so strong. And then 
that reflected back to me, and I felt like, hey, I'm pretty strong. And I thought that I could manage life because I was managing everyone else's life. I was controlling um, my ex-spouse in his life. I was controlling my children. I was controlling things at work. I was controlling this and that. And so it gave me the illusion that I was not powerless. It gave me the illusion that I could do something, that I was working and I was working hard and I was effective in getting things done. But at the end of the day, that just wasn't so. And I was miserable. And I would have all my hurt and anger and hurt and more hurt um, building up inside of me. And I became like a dragon. Uh, I told my, uh, my, my guide, I was like a dragon who drank a volcano. And so then my rage just came out. And then everyone saw, oh, my goodness, her life is unmanageable. And uh, that was the cycle. And it wasn't until I let go of controlling other people and other situations and trying to stop controlling myself because I tell you what, I am a mess and I don't even want to deal with me. But when I let go and say, God, you've got to take all of this because it is just toxic. I cannot do this anymore and continue to thrive. I, I just can't. And not thrive in the sense of do well, thrive in the sense of just getting up and living and drawing breath every day, y'all. And so I had to let go. And when I did, oh, my goodness, what a relief, what a relief. Oh, yeah, was it scary? You bet. But not one day, one moment goes by now that I do not celebrate my decision to admit my powerlessness. I lost my job uh, on the 23rd of April. I am powerless. And I am so content and peaceful knowing that God has a plan for my life and that he knows my bills, he knows the due date, he knows how much my bill, my electric bill is going to be in July and what day it is going to be due. I don't even know that yet. He knows it. And he'll supply. He'll take care of it. All because I said I'm powerless and I live like that today. I am just powerless. And I go and I plug into my source of power, which is God, which is this meeting. Thank you. And I thank you all for all the strength and power that you give me each day by being here and on this line. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Lori W. Daryl B., you're next. Star one, Daryl B. This is Daryl, compulsive overeater in Southern California. Can you can I be heard? Yes, uh huh. Good morning. Oh, hi. Good morning. Yeah. Step one. Uh, when I first came into the rooms, I uh, uh, I've been a compulsive overeater all my life, and and uh, from childhood. And I was 47 years old when I walked in the first time. And so I had tried all kinds of half measures, and uh, the best news that I heard was that I had a disease and that I was powerless over food because all of the half measures always told me that I had some sort of uh, power that I that they were going to uncover and they were going to show me how to to use that power to get in control of the food. And of course, those were always turned out to be false hopes, and they uh, and they never panned out for any length of time. And uh, and here I was uh, in a in a room full of other people like me that were were telling me that uh, no you have a disease you've got a problem that's not your fault and uh, that no amount of willpower on your part is going to solve it 
and uh, and that was that was good news to me, and I and, and I identified with the first half of the of the step easily. Second half gave me a lot more problems, uh, unmanageability of my life. Uh, I was uh, in business. Uh, I, I was the head of a, a small manufacturing company. I had uh, people working for me, and I was involved in the industry and all of these things. And I, I really felt like that uh, I was doing a pretty good job with that. And uh, and then I I, I found out uh, uh, through working the program and the and the steps that uh, my life was unmanageable by me. That a lot of the a lot of the things that I thought that I was doing. I really wasn't doing. I was taking credit for it, but I wasn't doing it. And uh, and then I, I began to, to to realize that what they were telling me was true about my life. It is unmanageable by me, but it's manageable by a power greater than myself. And that my job was just to do the footwork and turn over the results to him. That he's going to take care of the results. And so my manageability turned out to be really uh, more. Uh, an expression of step three of turning my will and my life over to God. But also the thing that, that was really important for me to learn was it's the care and direction of God, as, as Bill talks about on page 13, that he had uh, turned his, his uh, uh, will and his life over to the care and direction of God. And, uh, and that direction was there if I would only pay attention to it. And so uh, the, the first step... Uh, uh, totally, totally turned my life around, and uh, today I, I live uh, pretty much happy, joyous, and free. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you very much, Daryl B. And that will conclude the recorded portion of our meeting. We'll close that out as we normally do by re- the read of page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you, everyone, shared today. Wendy M., would you please read that for us? Yes, good morning. It's Wendy M. Recovered in Colorado. Can you hear me? I can. Good morning to you. Yeah, great. Thank you, Melanie. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We only we realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you.